This is BioBusters, professors hanging out talking science, episode number 15, recorded on July 18th, 2019. folks, you are listening to the podcast that takes you beyond the classroom and into the trenches of science. I'm Dr. Abi Abdallah, and I'm here with Dr. Fawner. How are you doing today? Good. In the midst of a sweltering heat wave that's hitting much of the country, but uh, pretty good. Enjoying the new digs. Nice and cool in this office. And not bad. I'm not complaining. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's not too hot in here, actually. Uh, but it was hot out. Uh, you know, we t- took a walk outside to go to the other building. Uh, it was a little bit hot, wasn't it? Well, and then tomorrow and Saturday, with your possible plans of being outside on Saturday, that's going to be... <laughs> pretty uh oppressive that's what the news keeps saying an oppressive heat wave oppressive heat and i think well i don't know if it's oppressive in that specific terminology but whatever the media needs to use to sensationalize yeah know. i mean op- oppressive is a is a big word mm-hmm. uh, b- stifling. stifling stifling would be better right. i think so uh how how did your summer go you we we've had a hiatus right so we apologize to our listeners the last uh, episode we posted was may right before before i went to greece so what about two months give or take yeah we usually try to aim for about an episode a month or so we may pick up the pace a little bit here depending on uh i guess how busy we are but well let's not get it let's not get ahead of ourselves here (laughs) we're gonna still provide you excellent content and somewhat um uh, monthly or bi-weekly episodes yeah we'll try our best so uh good summer i take it yeah yeah good so far um, had a decent enough break probably the last extended break that we're ever gonna get right yeah no more uh teaching at a liberal arts college where summers are off exactly we are both now actually uh teaching at lecom so what is lecom uh lake erie College of Osteopathic Medicine, putting me on the spot there. <laughs> if I didn't know that, then I should probably just pack my stuff uh, now. Um, it's not on the crib notes, right? No. Um, so, yeah, uh, we have both switched institutions, and uh, we are no longer at Teal College. And we're currently... A lot of people who hear that, they always say, was that a package deal? It, you know, it... coming from Teal and then <laughs> both getting a job, albeit in different departments here at LeeCom, but still Absolutely, just but a hallway walk away. Uh, independent right? interviews. Uh, independent, yeah, interviews. independent interviews. We want to stress that. This was a series of independent interviews, no strings attached. It was just funny uh, that I interviewed, and then a few months later you interviewed, and uh, that was it. That's uh, all she wrote. Yeah, it's it's insane how that worked. But anyway, so yeah, we're both at new places, uh, new courses to teach, different courses to teach, and, a lot of prep work. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a steep curve, but yeah. uh, you know we're uh, up to the challenge. Uh, at least I think so. No, I feel the same way. Yeah, exactly. And uh, very enthused as well. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, it is uh, exciting to start new things. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's uh, it's great to sort of uh, go back a little bit to the drawing board, you know, like you sort of uh, take a look back of uh, what you've done, some of the courses you've prepped in the past, how you do them differently, things like that. It's almost a different kind of um, 
wavelength of what is yeah how to teach and you know even a different environment of teaching right yeah we're no longer teaching undergrads we're going to be teaching medical students and uh masters uh students so it's a it's a different it's a different ballpark but anyway uh without getting too much into this today is uh what july 18th right yes and we have uh, a birthday today don't we we do have a birthday and uh it is robert hook and what did Robert Hooke do? He was an English physicist who discovered the law of elasticity, and that's why it was Bears subsequently name. named no, known as Hooke's law. law. Right. And what else did he do? What else did he? Well, I mean, invent? he he did a he, he was a bit of a polymath, right? He did a lot of things. You know, he was uh, he was he he did physics, uh, astronomy, chemistry, uh, biology, geology, architecture even. You know, I discovered like uh, uh, there's, a, there's a church that he had a, a lot of input in designing and things like that. Oh, that's but really interesting. What makes him interesting to me at the very least and why I picked him for today was uh, he's known to have defined the term cell. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we talk about cells, you know, these are these uh, uh, smallest living unit, uh, et cetera, et cetera. We're yeah. not going to define his cell today, right? But uh, he uh, described cells uh, or used the term uh, cells to describe these entities based on um, looking at plant cells. Mm-hmm. And f- to him, these square-like kg looking units looked like uh, prison cells Mm -hmm. which the term prison cells i suppose existed at the time well yeah i mean back in what the 1600s right was it so so he was born in 1635 uh, died in 1703 Mm -hmm. so yeah he had a relatively long life long life for the uh, 1600s and 1700s but yeah so he defined the term cell but his one of his greatest uh, contributions is the book Micrographia. Mm-hmm. And uh, I actually found, I don't know if you know about the Gutenberg project. Uh, you know, it, it was popular. Yeah. It was popular much earlier, a few years back. It mm-hmm. was really popular. And the idea was to uh, try to put every book online, right? Mm-hmm. But so on uh, Gutenberg, I did find uh, Micrographia. And uh, oh, wow. I, yeah, I have a link in the show notes for those of you who are interested in looking at it. And um, I recommend you have a look at it too, because yep. some of his drawings, and I don't know if he did his own drawings or not, or if he had someone draw them for him, blah, 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 right? But they are fascinating yeah particularly uh like the fleas and uh the louse and so very well done yeah absolutely yeah Yeah. absolutely i highly recommend you have a look at that well that's one thing i always wanted as a scientist was the ability to draw i believe my former anatomy students probably always hated the fact that drawing anything looked like a stick figure i could never (laughs) i got i never got the so you were good you were good at hangman uh, yeah, I was actually quite good at that. So, <laughs> so, uh, so he made a lot of these observations with microscopes and you know description says with telescopes as well. I'm I'm guessing that you, there there are some um, 
uh, observations of the stars or whatever in, in that book. But uh, interestingly, for those of you, uh, uh, our listeners who are in the United States, mm-hmm. his microscope that he apparently used to produce this book uh, can be seen in the United States. It is on display at the National Museum of Health and Medicine in Maryland. Mm-hmm. So uh, you can actually go. Uh, Have you ever been there? I have not been to that. I no, would I, like I, to. I, w- I would love to see it. Yeah. There's an excellent picture of of, of it on uh, a Hooks uh, Wikipedia page. If someone is interested in looking at that, it's a beautiful microscope. I mean, this thing is leather bound and uh, gold, like gold, gold, gold tattoos on the oh, outside. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's pretty good. A uh, nice looking, a uh, nice looking book. And what's even more interesting is that um, Micrographia also contains. Um, kind of ideas and concepts related to combustion, right? Yeah, yeah. So some of the experiments that Hooke did led to the overall conclusion um, that combustion kind of involves a substance that's mixed with um, air. Yeah, the book is uh, comprehensive, and uh, yeah, but we're, we're not going to dwell on that. Oh, so, but anyway, so uh, Robert Hooke, his microscope is in the U.S. The link to the book, Micrographia, is in the show notes. Uh, have a look at that if you're interested in sort of uh, science mm-hmm. history. So what are we going to talk about today? Well, uh, we don't have any clarifications to make. Uh, thankfully, we didn't make any. As far any, as we uh, know. As far maybe, as we know. We... Maybe now that we're back on the air, uh, <laughs> we'll get some emails and some, of course, always desired and uh, constructive criticisms. But um, one of our very avid listeners and former students by the name of Steve Kozik, uh, he emailed us. A long suggest- time ago. It was a while ago. So we, we apologize, Steve, for not getting back to you in enough time. But um, he emailed us with a possible topic because he's always wanted to know more, more details and more of the science behind those ancestry tests that are Which always are everywhere, right? oh, everywhere mean, now. always advertised particularly mm-hmm. around uh holidays or uh certain sort of uh, what celebrations if you will i remember yeah. uh around father's day there's always ads on that on mm-hmm. television or online like oh give your father the book of uh, the gift of uh, genes or whatever and then like which I did. Ancest- you did. Oh, you did, did that for, for your dad. December twenty fifth this past oh, year. Oh, for Christmas. And he doesn't listen to this because he probably doesn't know how to access podcasts on his iPhone. Well, that's that's on you, buddy. Well, I guess uh, my- one of my jobs as a son introduced technology to. The previous yeah, that, that's on you. If he doesn't know how to listen to your podcast, it's on you to show him how, man. Well, I'll squeeze that in between everything else I have to do on a daily basis. I'm just saying. But um, I think it's still sitting, collecting dust, probably in a corner of his bedroom. <laughs> so I, he hasn't done it yet. He has. I gave the box to him. Oh, he unwrapped I see, it. I see. He okay. went very cool. You know, he, he liked it. But then the work comes into spitting in the tube, sending it off. And, and what company did you pick? Uh, t- I'm pretty sure it was 23 and me okay yeah not that we're advocating one company over the other no, let's not. not misunderstand what this is but we're going to talk about these companies their methodologies and what they look for yeah. right and uh so uh, for us to be able to have a useful conversation on this right we first need to uh define a few things so w- w- what does dna stand for so deoxyribonucleic acid deoxyribonucleic acid uh-huh. and uh what is dna so made up of kind of three primary components, okay? okay? You have a phosphate group, you have a sugar, which in this case is deoxyribose, and then you have 
uh, different kind of uh, pairings of nitrogenous bases, right? Um, adenine, guanine, cytosine, and thymine. Uh-huh. And uh, DNA is a double-stranded molecule, right? So there's Correct. two strands. Mm-hmm. And, and they're held together um, in the interior by the nitrogenous bases, A pairing to T, uh-huh. G pairing to C right. with the use of uh, hydrogen bonds. Hydrogen bonds. And so if someone were to take a piece of DNA and sequence that piece of DNA, sequence meaning figure out the specific... Mm-hmm. Ordering uh, order of, of the, the bases. nucleotides. Right. Yes. So you may sequence a piece of DNA and, you know, let's say, I don't know, it's five, six bases, right? Mm-hmm. You, there, there's a lot of bases, a right? A lot, yeah. Uh, in the human genome, uh, roughly about three billion or so. Somewhere around two there, yeah. billion, maybe. There's always that good statistic that's in every foundational biology book of if we fit the entire genetic code into a book or something we need so many pages and so many oh, you know yeah. printouts of hundreds paper. of books of it, yeah hundreds it's, of it's books. a lot that's billions how massive and billions of the genetic right, code is right. i always and, uh, think about again tangent but the scene in jurassic park the first one when they're talking about um sequencing and uh getting the dna from the mosquito right, right trapped in right. the amber uh-huh. and you see the little chromosome cartoon figure in the video and the genetic code is flying by in the background of this right, cartoon right, figure. Right, right. I remember that. Scene. That was my first experience with uh, DNA and seeing those four letters repeated over and over. There you go. Mm-hmm. So uh, getting someone sequenced, you can take a piece of DNA and then uh, uh, get it sequenced. And effectively what you're doing is finding out what the exact sequence of those bases are. It could be a, 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 C, G, G, T, blah, 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 right? So there's a long sequence. And now those sequences uh, are uh, copied from one cell to the next, uh, having a coughing fit. <coughs> there we go. Get it out. We're good? I hope. Well, well, one would hope. We'll see. Okay. Uh, well, I can do the talking over the next minute or so. No, no, I think I'm back. <laughs> <coughs> uh, well... Good to go now. Yeah, well, hopefully. Uh, so those bases on, are inherited, uh, uh, obviously, from parent to offspring, right? Yes. That you inherit DNA, you inherit those genes. The DNA, genes, the associated mutations, right. the changes exactly. to the DNA, so on and so forth. Now, just to do a basic uh, sort of, you know, people hear the word chromosome, genes, what are these things, right? Uh, your... Uh, genes are arranged on chromosomes. They're specific and, sections right. or like pockets right. of the chromosome, uh-huh. you know, one after the other after the other. And uh, they're effectively made up of these DNA bases, mm-hmm. right? And while most cells will copy the DNA uh, with extreme fidelity, right, uh, mistakes can happen. As with anything. As exactly. And the copying mechanism is not perfect, and that's how mutations arise. Uh, now, there are obvious, this is a very simple view of genetics. Obviously, there are things that contribute to increasing mutations, uh, et cetera. Oh, so yeah, on, so a variety forth. of things, yes. Right. We're not necessarily going to. Talk specifically about about the role of mutations that, I mean, we're constantly exposed to these though, right? right? Of course, just just walking outside, you're you're exposed to it. Exactly. Also skin cells, uh, the DNA in your skin cells, yeah, Yeah, are starting to mutate. Yeah. Now, uh, uh, each one of these bases, right, the nitrogenous bases sort of Mm -hmm. with the sugar and the backbone or whatever are called a nucleotide. Yes. And... uh, 
looking at someone's DNA, comparing, let's say, my DNA to yours. You're going to see variation. We're going to see variation yes. in almost almost every chromosome, almost every gene. Not, yes. not all of them. Some genes are highly conserved. Mm -hmm. What that means is that they are identical from one organism, one person to another. Used for species differentiation. Right. Sometimes they can be yeah. highly conserved across species. Mm -hmm. So, you know, look, a, look at a hemoglobin gene, for example, between yours and a monkey's, for example, it's probably identical. Yes. Right? Now... My DNA compared to yours is probably 99.9% .9 identical. Yes. If not more, probably 99.99%, mm -hmm. right? But we differ at certain locations, yes. at certain uh, 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 places in that genome. And all it takes is a single, single very base. small, specific nucleotide change right. in the genetic code. Yeah. And we call, I think, what you're leading into reading your mind, as I'm wont to do, is uh, we're talking here about the most common type of genetic variation among individuals, among human beings, uh, single nucleotide polymorphisms. Yes, SNPs or SNPs, SNPs yeah. Yep. And these are, uh, let's say, uh, just to make it easy, let's say the entire genome is 100 bases, mm -hmm. okay? And it is identical at 99% uh, of the time, right, yes. between yours and mine. Mm -hmm. That means one of these 100 is different. Yes. And let's say it's at location number three, mm -hmm. counting from one to 100. It's yes. at location number three. So there are places in the genome that differ significantly from others, yes. right, in terms of what could be there. Now, two people may have the same SNP, mm -hmm. but at the same locus, at the same DNA, at the same chromosome, right? Yes. But if you were to look at the totality of all possible SNPs, which, you know, they, they number in the hundreds, thousands, maybe, right? Maybe more, I don't know. Yeah, possibly, possibly more. Yeah, yeah. Possibly more than that. Um, the likelihood that two people will have these same exact SNPs everywhere in the genome... Becomes more unlikely. Becomes really, really unlikely, yes. unless you're identical twins. Exactly. And this is the basis for what is used to... For genetic testing. Genetic testing, differences, and as we're going to be talking about, um, tracing and identifying ancestry patterns. We're right. talking here about, you know, changes. And the other thing to clarify about SNPs, these polymorphisms, is that these can be inherited. They right? are. They are parents down to offspring, mm -hmm. and this is the difference between SNPs and mutations. Mutations right. are only inherited in what we're going to talk about it, briefly, mitochondrial DNA and mutations in the sex chromosomes. Right, absolutely. So, so these, if the X and when the and 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 the well, the mutations in autosomal chromosomes can be inherited, but only if they happen in germ cells. Exactly. Right? Only if they happen in the germ, like sex cells. Right. Right. Yes. So either sperm or egg. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, I'm glad you mentioned mitochondrial DNA, right? Because when people think of DNA, uh, they think, oh, it's the stuff in your nucleus, right? Mm -hmm. It's the genetic material. But one other uh, piece of DNA that you inherit is and it's sometimes in the overlooked. It yeah, is. It is extremely is mitochondrial DNA. Absolutely. And uh, mitochondria is an organelle which is uh, inside of a cell, and mm -hmm. you know, it, it's. I, I will not. Use the, Use the uh, powerhouse. Oh I, I will of not say it. The I, cell. I will not say it. <laughs> Talk about the most cliche, uh, oversimplified yeah. expression yeah. found in every textbook. Of the cell. Uh, uh -huh. God. But anyway, the mitochondria uh, provides it. But you know, in people's defense, I think the original 
1960s, I mm-hmm. want to say, 1960s maybe is when the uh, uh, publication of Mitochondria came out. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong on the decade, but yeah. I think it's the 60s. In the title, it said Powerhouse of the Cell. Well, that's why it's so often referred to. Uh, and I, I'll double check that, but if I remember correctly, that's the case. But anyway, so you also inherit mitochondrial DNA and... Um, it has long been believed that uh, you only inherit mitochondrial DNA from, from your mom's mother. Side. Yep. Now, did you see that one paper that came out a few months ago that uh, had uh, some evidence showing that uh, uh, you could also inherit father mitochondria? But maybe not to the same Not to the degree. same extent. Absolutely yep. not to the same extent. But there's like some fragments in there that could I be think paternal. When I, was, when I was researching the topics and different concepts of these tests for today, um, paternally, I did read that it's possible, but that tracking mitochondrial DNA on the maternal side is... Um, much, much, much better for these. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, another term that you're going to hear us use is STR or short tandem repeats. So what are short tandem repeats? So short tandem repeats are actually these kind of uh, units of maybe two to 13 nucleotides that are repeated maybe several times up to dozens of times in a row on the DNA strand. And what this basically provides is yet kind of another uh, comparison marker for differentiating uh, between individuals and for tracking um, ancestry patterns. So instead of looking at a single nucleotide, you're looking at a multitude of nucleotides that exactly. are always together, mm-hmm. always in the same order, Yes. always in the same sequence. And these are highly variable. They've been shown and studies have been um, published that have shown that these STR markers are highly variable among individuals. Okay, perfect. So it makes them, you know, prime time real estate for, once again, uh, using these ancestry tests to look for the differences that are the hallmark of the tests. And another word that we're going to use in describing these uh, is haplotype. What is a haplotype? So haplotype um, actually has a few different definitions um, associated. It depends how certain people are going to use the word haplotype, um, how we're going to be using um, haplotype for our purposes today is a collection of um, alleles in a cluster of tightly linked genes on a chromosome that are likely to be inherited together or conserved. Together, right. Yeah. So uh, when, when looking at a person's total haplotype, essentially you're looking at the total genes that they inherited all together at exactly. the same time from both parents. And you can use them to also indicate, you know, a set or a grouping of SNPs or single nucleotide polymorphisms. Right. So let's say we're looking at uh, uh, Chris's or yours, all of your SNPs mm-hmm. or all of your uh, short tandem repeats. Yes. We would say, oh, his SNP haplotype is XYZ. Right? Exactly. Okay. Perfect. So, uh, well, now that we have sort of covered uh, some of the terminology, uh, let's quickly talk about autosomal versus uh, sex chromosomes. So how many total chromosomes chromosomes do you have as a human? So 46. 46. And they are in pairs, so yes. 23, 23, 23 pairs. pairs. And so let's say you have 
one chromosome one from your mom, one mm -hmm. chromosome one from your dad, chromosome two inherited. from mom, chromosome two from dad, exactly. so on and so forth, except for sex chromosomes, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, that's sort of, you know, when you look at a haplotype of chromosome or a karyotype of chromosome, we're not going yeah. to get into that, but uh, they're usually grouped together. So if mm -hmm. you're a male, you inherited an X from mom, X chromosome from mom and a Y chromosome from dad. Exactly. And if you're a female, you inherited XX. two X's, one from mom, one from dad. Yes. Perfect. And um, there's 46 total of these, right? And the non-sex chromosomes are autosomal chromosomes. Autosomal or autosomes. Or autosomal autosomes. chromosomes, yes. And the XY or XX are sex chromosomes. Exactly. Now, in addition to that, there's mitochondrial DNA, mm -hmm. which is usually inherited on the mother's side. Yes. Perfect. So, do we want to talk a little bit about migration of humans? Since we're going to get into ancestry, are these uh, 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 companies accurate? Do they uh, really tell you where your family came from, etc.? Should we talk about human migration? If you want to, it's completely up to you. So we all came from Africa, mm -hmm. at, you know, long time ago. Yes. Uh, different patterns of migrations, mm -hmm. uh, and then you know moved out of Africa. Uh, a group moved up into North, uh, what is it, West Africa. A group moved into the Middle East, and from the Middle East they uh, moved on to Europe, then uh, down into uh, Southeast Asia, mm -hmm. um, uh, all the way to Australia, right, yeah. and then uh, eventually at some point. Uh, they migrated into sort of northeast Asia, made it over uh, what is now the Bering Sea. There used to be a large uh, land mass there that was not covered with water. Okay. They made it into North America, then from North America spread south. Yeah. Uh, at least that's what we currently believe. That's what we know. Uh, exactly. And uh, so you can track some of these migrations by looking at the Y chromosomes for males. Yes. You can track some of these migrations by looking at mitochondrial DNA for females. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that uh, the mitochondrial DNA uh, rarely if, well, I don't want to say if ever because anything mutates, right? But uh, there aren't a lot of uh, variations with that from that generation to generation. Yes. So you can trace uh, lineages with mitochondrial DNA uh, really, really very back, accurately. like thousands of years back, yes. very accurately. Uh, same thing with the Y chromosomes for males. Mm -hmm. It's a small chromosome. It doesn't have a lot of genes on it. It really right? doesn't. Sex-determining genes, mostly SRY gene. Most people yeah. know about that, right? And... Uh, a, you know, when I usually teach some of the stuff, I, I say it's a, other than determining uh, sex, it's a pretty useless gene. It is. I mean, uh, think useless about it, yeah. chromosome. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so uh, not highly variable either in terms of tracing lineages, right? Yeah. If you even look at the size of the Y chromosome compared to the um, X chromosome, it's, oh, it's puny. Yeah, yeah it yeah, looks. Yeah. Uh, some it's a student, joke. <laughs> some of the students don't believe it when they see that karyotype. And the X and Y put together, um, they just, you know, that's it. You know, it looks like it's truncated <laughs> yeah, yeah, or exactly. something. Yeah. That's, that's all that's there? Okay. So in terms of DNA testing, let's get to the subject now that we've got terminology out of the way. And we've just, I don't know, we're at about a half an hour here. Uh, what are the three most common types of... DNA testing out there. So we have the 23andMe, which is probably the one that has become, I would say, the most 
popular, dare I say. I don't know the statistics with how often it's been ordered. Uh, over, uh, I, I looked up a website that had over 10 million okay. uh, users in that database. Okay, I, and I know... Versus a few million for the other ones. And I think the founders of 23andMe, you know, when, they, when it first came out or was originated, the company that is... Um, what it was, I, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, it was popular for a bit. And then it kind of went through a rough period. And then recently, especially in the last, I want to say five years or so, um, it's really gained traction again, where it's become incredibly popular. Um, they're offering more services through 23andMe in terms of not just Ancestry, but I'm pretty sure, you know, maybe even some medical testing if I'm a mistaken. lot of companies are offering medical testing now yeah, yeah. let's say uh, you have genes that make you susceptible to uh, breast cancer or Alzheimer's or this and that yeah so 23andMe relies on autosomal testing correct right so and autosomal with... effectively is looking at non-sex chromosomes exactly right. so here we're looking at the single nucleotide polymorphisms that are going to be inherited from parent to offspring and the important thing to understand here about really any of these tests and that gets is, to the question that steve asked uh are they a hoax or not right and again just to consider the question itself Hoax or not, I don't know, is the best question to ask. I think the better question, if I could, as any good professor will do, if I can revise his statement just a tiny bit. Well, he's not here to complain, so you can. And we like you, Steve. <laughs> You're the best. But if I could revise that question a bit, it would be, how accurate are they? Are they, as they are advertised, um, do they do what they're purported to do? And here's the thing about these different genetic testing um companies particularly with the SNPs with the SNPs they can only look at these differences and these lineages and ancestry patterns by matching what your test comes out to against a registry against right. a known database their so, database that they've collected right. over the past so many years so they're only as good as the databases that they have now what that means those people who have right. taken the test previously Right. Yes. And here's what that means. Let's say you do testing, right? Uh -huh. And it says to you, you have genes, uh, and know, let's say it says to you, you're 23% Italian or something, yeah. right? And what that means is that you have genetic markers on your genome that are most closely similar to people that currently live in Italy. Yes. This does not mean uh, that you've been Italian for a thousand years or more. No. Right? It's based on today's databases. Yes. So uh, if, let's say, and I don't know what the Italian history, we're just using a random example here, right? I don't know what the Italian migration history is, but maybe 5,000 years ago, all the people that live in Italy today came from Syria. Exactly. Yeah. So your ancestry is only as accurate with these companies as their databases are, and their databases are based off of living period, living people today. And so it's, I mean, I would use the term limited. I would say oh, that it is limited, of course. Um, it's not going to extend past a few generations, right? But most people are previous. not looking for something older than that, right? Probably not, no. Yeah, most people that do these things are not, saying, oh, where did my fam family come from 10,000 years ago? No. They're looking at and a few even, generations and back. And honestly, I don't even think that's how 
the tests and these products, which is what they are. Were designed. I don't think these products were designed for that, and I don't no. think that they're necessarily marketed like that. They're not going to come out and say we're limited, but with these different commercials, you know, they generally advertise regions, right? Like general right. regions from which you can determine, oh, I'm so much of a percentage from right. this general area. Right, yeah. They do not specifically give you uh, necessarily like, you know, towns or countries or, you know, things like I mean, they'll give you a country, but they'll say, oh, you're most li likely similar to people that currently live in the southern Mediterranean yep. or, uh, you know, I Sicily, for example, or something yep. like that. And they I think that's so that is the benefit of this test, 23andMe, this autosomal test, because it's able to kind of give you some ethnic background information correct? it is it so is. that's a major benefit and that's a major selling point of the test of the autosomal some test. of the the two other tests that we're going to be discussing um they really only focus on and represent only um, single or sole ancestral lineages. Right. So looking at the Y chromosome, for example, mm -hmm. you can test the Y chromosome. Now, the uh, deficiency of this test or the drawback of this test is that only males can do it. I mean, it's a limited, yeah, right. limited focus of course. test. Females yeah. don't have Y chromosomes, but a female can potentially uh, get information on her lineage through the Y chromosome if she can get a father, a brother, or a yes. cousin, a male cousin, to do the uh, test for her. Yes. Uh, because the Y chromosome uh, only tests male ancestry. This is the uh, gene passed on from father to son, mm -hmm. which rarely mutates. We talked about that. Yes. But this, the benefit of this is that you can go dozens and dozens of generations. You can go way back. You know, thousands yeah. of years with this. It can provide a little bit more accurate information, not a little bit, more substantial accurate information compared to, you know, 23andMe in terms of ancestral migrations. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, also in terms of ancestral migrations, you can also do the uh, mitochondrial DNA. Yes. The benefit of the mitochondrial DNA, it traces your maternal lineage, so it traces mm -hmm. where your mother's female ancestors came from. Yes. Right? So always always on the mother side of everything, so mother, grandmother, great-grandmother, etc., so on and so forth. The benefit of the mitochondrial uh, uh uh, DNA test is that both males and females can do it. Yes. Not just males. But it only looks at your maternal uh, migration Ancestry. patterns. Yes. And uh, this can get pretty... Um, this can get pretty accurate. It can, uh, you know, there's some uh, studies out there showing that, uh, say, uh, I don't know, certain African-American populations were descendants of uh, particular African tribes mm -hmm. in specific regions of specific countries. Yeah. And uh, what's really interesting about that is that you can... Uh, find modern-day descendants of those original, uh, and that's how they do these things, right? Yeah, yeah. Of these original uh, tribes, for example. Mm -hmm. Which is, of course, very useful and just fascinating to discover if you want to you know, do this type of test. Uh, the other thing that I found pretty cool about using mitochondrial DNA to trace ancestry is that these can be used in genealogical studies to discover information that actually 
is sometimes lost from the historical record because of, you know, females eventually losing their surnames, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So being able to track that back, especially what dozens of generations where maybe some of the records are a little bit spotty, you can track this all the way back using mitochondrial DNA to get a little bit more um, accurate ancestral information. Yeah. Uh, I remember... um... We can find the link and put it in the show notes. Uh, what was that documentary that sort of uh, traced, um, or there was a study that traced the Aboriginals, uh, or God, maybe I'm being insensitive, First Peoples or uh, okay, the first, first group, first groups, and yes. I, I don't think. Uh, they call them Aboriginals anymore, or maybe, maybe, maybe it's frowned upon in Australia or something. Like yeah. that. But um, uh, hopefully one of the listeners will tell us. But uh, we'll get clarified. Don't worry. Yeah, and uh, they traced their ancestry back to a single uh, tribe still existing uh, mm-hmm. in Africa. Yeah, and they were one of the earliest groups it turns out to uh leave africa and make it all the way to australia something like fifty thousand years ago i think i know the documentary you're talking about is it on was it on amazon or maybe netflix if i'm not mistaken or i could have sworn we maybe used one of the documentaries for foundations like a, of biology for a class. could be yeah I think could I remember. Be. yeah uh but yeah yeah they traced it all the way using uh sex chromosomes right they traced mm-hmm. it all the way back to uh currently still uh, reproducing and has survivors, uh, tribes in uh, Africa. Yeah. Which I thought was cool. I mean, and, you know, we're, we're talking about 50,000 years ago, right? Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so I, again, I guess a long answer to his question is that they're not hoaxes. They can... Uh, Each contains its own specific set of information. It just overall kind of comes down to what you're looking to discover about yourself, right? What you're looking to identify and what information you are actually um, seeking. So for the autosomal tests for 23andMe, you're going to be locating more modern relatives. Right. When you uh, go just a generation the... or two back, sort of, where, you know, where did your great-grandfather come from or exactly. something like that? Um, with the other two tests, with Y chromosome testing and with mitochondrial DNA testing, here is when you're going to actually be able to obtain very specific information on your genetic lines. And again, uh, the limitations of all three of these is? The database. Database. It's going to be limited to who has taken the test already. Exactly. And for, you know, compared to now, you know, 10, 15 years from now, if these tests are still as popular and, I mean, the database is just going to continue to grow. And I don't know what the, again, what the numbers are, but the um, database will continue to grow as they become more popular. Um, I just find it, I guess... To me, it's a little bit, I guess, funny and amusing for what else they use to advertise whenever these tests are advertised on TV. I mean, don't they advertise like heritage vacations and, oh, you know, find out what region, you know, you are most closely linked to and you can take this trip to, using your earlier example, um, Italy, right? Right. Go, you know, visit... um, where your ancestors uh, originally were. Yeah, and um, 
the database size, I mean, we've been saying 23 and me a lot, right? Uh, but the data si database size for ancestry DNA, which I think was the original one, mm -hmm. is uh, reported to be about 15 million or so, right? And that's so the highest out of that, that's most a, of That's these. a big one. Yeah. That's a big one. There's also MyHeritage, Family Tree DNA, uh, 23andMe, Living DNA. There's, there's a lot of companies out there. Yeah. But the biggest database is Ancestry mm -hmm. uh, DNA. And uh, again, uh, that's good for sort of like matching ethnicities, regions, things like that, uh, genealogy testing. Uh, but one thing that these companies have been doing uh, is that um, over the years, uh, let's say you, I don't know, got an exam uh, or uh, testing done know, five, ten years ago or something mm -hmm. like that, whenever they, this was really happening. Uh, they constantly are updating their databases as they get more accurate results. Yeah. Now, they're unlikely to change your ethnicity from like, oh, you're Italian to your, like you're Egyptian now, right? Yeah. yeah. But they may be able to narrow down a little bit more to we'll specific, specific regions, yeah. right? Exactly. Uh, so instead of saying to you, you're from the Eastern Mediterranean, they might say, oh, uh, uh, your people necessarily uh, over the last couple hundred years have been located more, let's say, in Lebanon or Syria uh -huh. or something like that, right? Rather than a general region. So they, more and more people are doing these tests, the bigger and bigger the database is, and uh, the more accurate the prediction will mm -hmm. be for some of the uh, genealogies. And also, in terms of kind of what health information you can obtain from these different types of tests, um, it's not that easy, right? Um, it, whenever it comes to which of these tests will provide health information, uh, that can be somewhat limited as well right some companies um, will do it some other companies will not do it some will charge an extra fee mm -hmm. and some don't you need something from your physician in order to allow you know these companies to test yeah maybe i i haven't seen that yeah but i mean yeah if you have sure uh that's interesting uh, the other thing, I mean, different collection materials, some collect saliva, some collect a cheek swab. Cells from your cheek, right. yeah. In both cases, you're getting uh, epithelial cells that mm -hmm. are just in your mouth yes. all the time, right? Um, what else do you want to sort of talk about these? A lot of these companies will also have a chromosome browser. You can yeah. go in and click on your, I don't know, chromosome 2 and then, you know, find out which genes you have, so on and so forth. Which I can imagine for... You know, some people, for a decent amount of people, that can probably get boring pretty quickly, browsing your chromosomes, seeing these repeating letters over and over and over again right. in the different genes. Um, it, it, there's only so much fun to be had with that. Now, here, here's a question for you, though. Uh, how much do you think the public is able to understand the data uh, and understand the results that they receive? Without some type of breakdown and, you know, uh, kind of summary, I suppose, I really um, am unsure. I would say, and I would be hesitant in saying that some of this information is maybe indecipherable. Uh, for a lot of people, I, I would agree with you. Yeah. And again, I, I think I come back to my original idea that 
or my original statement that I don't think that's what these tests are exactly marketed for, right? Especially something like 23andMe. It's a lot of these people are doing this. A lot of the members of the public are doing this to just get a sense of where they came from. I mean, that's the main answer or that's the main question you're answering. So, yeah, I think as we you know, get further and further along into the development. And, you know, these companies are always finding new ways to stand out from each other. Oh, of course they are. So there's going to be an increased degree of genetic health testing, um, more advanced methodology being used. We're really just at the forefront, the beginning of what these tests can be, I believe. Now, do you think there are any uh, drawbacks to uh, doing this sort of uh, testing? You mean in terms of knowing where you came from or in terms of knowing the your genetic makeup, like knowing what genes you have and don't have? Uh, I mean, any any drawbacks. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think there's any drawback in knowing where you come from, uh, no. quite honestly, right? I think so more of kind of uh, different genes, you know, what your haplotype, maybe your SNPs, so on and so forth. It can, I think, be, it can increase anxiety levels, for sure, especially with, you know, something like genetic health testing, to know that maybe you are more susceptible to, you know, a certain disorder or certain condition because you have this particular gene or the lack thereof. Yeah, I mean, other than the genetic testing, too, um, it's created some tension in some families. Uh, You know, they thought they were Swedish and it turns out they were not in things like that. I could see that. Um, The other uh, problem, in my opinion, is uh, genetic data that is out there. Privacy. Privacy, absolutely. So what what are your thoughts on uh, someone's genetic information being out there? Well, it's a gray area. It depends on how it's going to be used, right? How readily accessible is it? Um, I don't believe... Any, anything is hackable. Let's keep that in mind, right? Anything Absolutely. Anything leaked. can be hacked, right? Any database can be hacked by someone with sophisticated enough technology, and it is out there. Yeah. That sophisticated technology is out there. You know, I I would love to know, I think we would have heard it in the news, if there have ever been any of these breaches, as they call them now, right. of any of these databases. Um, we should have looked that up. Um, I can actually quickly look it up right now. But, well, I mean, um, there's there there's been there's been hacking of uh, I mean, what well, wasn't there a hack of that one of the three credit bureaus, right? There was a massive millions of data was out there, including yeah. social security numbers, things like oh, that. Oh, I mean, that happens all the time. These yeah. credit card companies have yeah, a yeah. breach. You know, God knows how many times a year every. Every few years. So other than the data being hacked, uh, there is the, uh, well, I, I don't want to say danger, but there's the... Uh, they do do their best, not to cut you off, they do do their best to maintain anonymity, right? Um, spit in the tube, you send in, it's um, made to be anonymous, and um, the, the, the other thing is... Uh, 
it's maybe not being kept within that company. I'm looking at an article here. Oh, it can be sold. You it can you, be sold to third party companies, right, which is right. kind of scary, right? It can be sold. You get you give the right to own that information uh, once you send it in. Exactly, and I mean different companies that these uh, uh, a lot of health insurance companies are Pepto Bismol, yeah. right? University of Chicago has gotten access to some of these, right? Um, insurance companies, yeah, yeah, insurance companies, companies are looking pharmaceutical companies for genetic testing for diseases, things like that. Yeah, but I mean, like you said, the issue there is consent, right? Whenever you send this in, are you foregoing, are you giving up your consent? Or are you, I'm sorry, are you providing your consent? Yeah. Here is my yeah. genetic information now. Yeah. Do as you will. Well, the other problem is you may decide, you know what? I'm uh, really protective of my uh, genetic identity. I do not want to do this. Yeah. I do not want to send my DNA out. I don't want that company to have it. And then uh, let's say you have a sibling mm-hmm. that does it. Yeah. 50% of your genes are now out there. Yep. Right? Yeah, you're right. Uh, you have a cousin that does it. Well, what's that reduced to? 24%? Yes. 25%, I mean? Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So uh, you may decide, oh, you know what? I don't want to do this because I don't want my genes out there. I don't want a company owning my genetic information. But, but you then can't control your other you, uh, no, family you, members. You can cannot you? control what other people do, right? So your sibling can send it in, and then all of a sudden, uh, 50% of that information is out there. And it turns out, that authorities have actually uh, used this to uh, track down killers, killers and murderers. Yeah, looks like they caught uh, what was it a few years ago? A few. The Golden State Killer by comparing online store DNA samples after 32 years. Yeah. this person was at large. Yeah. So. Again, I like that aspect where we are now advancing in terms of this genetic technology. And mind you, they did not have this guy's DNA, right? No, but they it still was, had it was, a court it was a order, family. right? So they obtained a court order, and they were able to test, and they used a DNA sharing website that's very similar to 23andMe, and found a distant relative right. of the accused person who had used the services the service. of that website. Yep. Absolutely. So they had a DNA kit uh, of DNA collected from that crime scene 30 some years ago, and that DNA had been stored uh, for all these uh, decades. And then they're like, oh, well, genetic testing. They sent it in, uh, found a relative, uh, and uh, tracked down where that relative lives and found out who they are, and then track down the murderer that way. Well, think about the metaphor and example we used where we discussed um, the leaks, right? Credit card financial information leaks. The leak of um, DNA information, genetic information, is much more dangerous. And the reason is... And it will happen. Oh, I mean, it's inevitable. Yeah, it's it going to happen, happen one day. But the, uh, the scary thing is, once that information gets out there, it's not like you can go and call somebody up and say, listen, I'd like to change my genetic information, like you're changing a credit card number, right? Or changing, um, you know, replacing financial information. Once that DNA information is out there, it's out there, and whoever gets it will have information related to your genes. Oh yeah, there's no, there's no change. There's no going back. Yeah, no, no, there's, there's, there's no take backsies. <laughs> uh, so any, any, anything else you want to add? Uh, some companies, by the way, are a little bit better at uh, certain ethnicities or ethnic groups. 
for example, that living DNA company I mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. uh, they specialize in uh, ancestries for uh, the British Isles. Yeah. Uh, so it is a very in-depth analysis of UK haplotypes, for example. Uh, anything, anything you want to add to? Um, I don't think so. I think we covered, you know, pretty broad spectrum of what these tests do, and the benefits, cons, and even some of the dangers of, you know, willfully providing your DNA, uh, what that can be used for. So. Hopefully we've educated our audience on things maybe they didn't know about when it comes to these DNA tests. Yeah, and uh, in, ter in terms of uh, cost, by the way, I don't think we addressed cost. Um, they range anywhere between $100 to $1,000. Yeah. Uh, particularly on some of the uh, Y chromosome ones mm -hmm. or the mitochondrial DNA ones, you can get some of these for uh, $100 to $200. But the more sites on the chromosome you look for, mm -hmm. the more money it's going to cost. Makes sense from a financial right, perspective. Right, of course. And uh, I mean, uh, I saw one, 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 one of these companies for a Y chromosome test uh, testing hundreds and hundreds yep. of uh, uh, different sites on that chromosome uh, you're looking at a 699 yeah well maybe if i have the money someday i'll uh map myself out that would be a cool little experiment to do uh, the really cool thing to do is to sequence the entire genome ah yes but that's i mean that's that's a significant undertaking uh that would cost a lot of money and a lot of time and uh, most people don't even have the computing power to mm -hmm. receive that data yeah and be able to go through it and analyze it and even know what it means. Well, I do have a birthday coming up, just throwing that out there. <laughs> uh, I already have your birthday gift figured out. Oh, well, that's very nice. You didn't have to do that. No, well, it's in my car. You can pick it up later. 23 and me. <laughs> Kidding. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so um, we're uh, closing up uh, or coming up on about 50-some minutes here. Uh, okay. And um, so... As always, um, when we kind of are looking for new topics, you know, new suggestions for things to talk about, um, we rely on you, our listeners, in terms of what you want to hear. Yeah, um, tell us what you're interested in, absolutely. Exactly. And for any of these ideas and possible future topics, you can email us at thebiobusters at gmail.com. And you can also find us on iTunes. You just have to search for The BioBusters. You can use any podcast catcher to download our episodes. And this is number 15. So we have 14 that have come before. I would say and hazard to say that they've been fairly well received thus far. Yeah, we've had a good number of uh, listeners, actually, uh, more than we had thought. We're hoping to increase our listenership. We'll, we'll have to think about that. Sky's but, the limit. Absolutely. But you can also listen to us on uh, thebiobusters.podbean.com. Mm -hmm. And you know what I discovered yesterday? Mm. We are on iHeartRadio. Oh, that's kind of cool. I like yeah, that. Yeah, I, I, I don't know how we ended up on there. Uh, we are on there. <laughs> so our information is now out there and oh, that, leaked. I and... did not need to, you know, I had to do some work to get us on uh, iTunes and the podcast app on the phone, on iPhones, right? Uh, the Podbean stuff is easy. Uh, but yeah, we're on iHeartRadio. Yeah. And... Uh, 
hey, I'm not complaining. And um, uh, coming up in the future, I think we're going to start doing a little bit more um, medically related and science cases, papers, maybe yeah, some science yeah. papers, uh, start yeah. going over uh, manuscripts, uh, cool findings, things like that. Uh, but anyway, so uh, email us uh, thebiobusters at gmail.com with any suggestions, comments, uh, critiques, corrections. corrections uh, we uh, make mistakes mm-hmm. uh, sometimes. And uh, you can also follow us on Twitter if you'd like. Uh, I'm Delbert Abi Abdallah. You can find me on Twitter at Dr. Delbert. And you can find me, Chris Vonner, at Vonner916. What you can find is the Twitter profile. What you, will not, <laughs> what you will not find is An any content. Twitter profile, yes. And I already refer you to previous episodes, uh, for the multiple episodes for where he's promised to start using it, or at the very least, tweet the links to the episodes, man. I have promised, and I still just have yet to fulfill that promise. Nothing you should just broken. give me your username and password. I'll, I'll just do it for you. Well, I need a, I need a assistant that will run my Twitter profile every day i need to include that in my next contract just kidding right well thank you all for listening and thanks to uh baha namani for the music thank you